time for the Vintage Truth Podcast with best-selling author and Bible teacher, Jeff Kinley. Thank you, announcer girl. I appreciate you so much. Hey, listen, uh, we're beginning a new week at the uh, Vintage Truth Podcast, now being heard in some 38 countries across the world. And the most exciting thing that's going on in my life right now is the release of my brand new book, Uncovering the Secrets of Bible Prophecy. This little book is packed with so much scripture and so much truth for you and helping you discern not only the times, but most importantly, to discern your own Bible and to understand how the Bible relates to your life today, uh, especially in regards to Bible prophecy. And I take you through so many uh, different avenues that affect Bible prophecy today and uh, just the the topography, if you will, of prophecy, how to read the landscape and uh, what's out there and what's going on. So anyway, all that's for you in this new little book, Uncovering the Secrets of Bible Prophecy. I encourage you to go to Amazon and get yourself a copy right now. Go get one right now. And if you'd like to order one from me, go to jeffkinley.com. Uh, it's right there on the uh, front page, and you can go to the uh, the bookstore page as well and order one. I'd be glad to sign one for you. But we're trying to get the word out about this book. I really believe this book is a is a prophecy book for a new generation. So help me out here. It's uh, it's all it all boils down to uh, teamwork here uh, to get the word out about this book and to uh, affect lives for Jesus Christ. Hey, we're getting ready to approach the holiday season, and uh, I'm going to be covering some special topics here coming up. Uh, but today, I want to pause just for a second as we've just um, you know finished this little uh, mini series we just did. But I want to pause here and just talk about this subject of condemnation, because there's a lot of people, a lot of Christians today, that don't understand how incredibly free from condemnation they are. They seem to to um, to live under this this little cloud of guilt you know, that follows them around all the time. You remember back in the, some of you older folks will remember back in the old Peanuts comic strip or the, or the Charlie Brown Christmas specials or whatever. There's this, uh, <laughs> this character named Linus and he has this blanket that he carries around him everywhere. And it seems like everywhere he goes, there's this dust cloud that's just always following him. He just seems like a, an unmade bed or whatever. But a lot of Christians are like that. They are, are walking around and there's this, this cloud of guilt uh, that's just uh, kind of covering them and, and uh, following them wherever they go. Now, what I don't mean by that is that, hey, everything's okay and, and everybody's fine and just as you are. And doesn't, it doesn't mean, you know, you don't have to worry about God changing your life or God being a part of anything. You're just, just like you are. You're just fine. You're not fine like you are. But God loves you and I as we are. And he loves us too much to let us stay that way. So that's why I sent Christ to change our lives. And so, um, but, but the idea here is that we are wrecked without him, but then he comes into our lives. And in the moment that you trust or place faith in Jesus for your salvation, and by the way, that's all that's required. You don't have to go into a building uh, you don't have to uh, talk to a priest. You don't have to write a check. You don't have to, uh, you know, be baptized. Uh, you don't have to do any of those things. It's it's all about faith, placing faith. What's what it means to believe in God, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You put your full faith in Him, and trust Him to save you from your sins. And that 
implies that your allegiance is also changing as well. It's not just simply, oh, I just pay this ticket of faith at the uh, the box office there of, of God, the biblical box office, and, and then all of a sudden I'm just, I'm saved forever. Faith implies a commitment. You're, when you trust in something, you're committing to that, to that something. I mean, when you trust in the chair you're sitting in, you're committing to that. When you get on an airplane and you fly 35,000 feet, you're trusting in the pilots. You're trusting in the airplane to get you to your destination. And when you say you're trusting in Jesus, you're trusting in him for salvation. So once that's happened, whether it was a simple childlike faith you did as a small infant, I mean, a toddler rather, and, and you cried out to the Lord in simple faith, you understood that, that you needed Jesus. Or maybe it's something recently that happened in your life. I was in New Jersey recently and and uh, preaching at a, at a great church up there. And uh, during the course of this Discerning the Times conference that we were doing, an older gentleman came to faith in Jesus Christ. So it doesn't have to be uh, something that happens as a kid or as a teenager. It can happen any time in your life. But the key is that it happens. So once that happens, though, a lot of times people still walk around with this sense of guilt. And so I want to share with you just a few scriptures today that I think will be of enormous encouragement to you regarding this area because guilt paralyzes you. Guilt is is like... um. It's like getting sick and it's like getting pneumonia. It just knocks you out, man. You can't do anything when you're living under guilt and you're feeling like you're condemned by God. Listen to this verse here. This is Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. By the way, you really want to dive into the deep end of the pool, read Romans, okay? But read it slowly. All right, here's Romans 5.1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So what does that mean? Well, to be justified is to be declared by God to be righteous. All right? So what, what, is that? what does that even mean? Well, you cannot go to heaven unless you're righteous, unless you've been made holy in God's sight. And when you place faith in Jesus Christ, what does God do? Well, one of the things he does, he declares you to be holy. He declares you to be righteous. You say, Jeff, is is there any other verse in the Bible that, that talks about that? Well, yeah. What about 2 Corinthians chapter 5? And and were this verse not in the in the Bible, I, I wouldn't believe this truth, what I'm about to read to you. This is one of the most radically transforming truths in the entire Word of God. And if you if you if you take the time to really think about what it means. It will change your brain, okay? It will, it will absolutely revolutionize your thinking about your relationship with God. L- listen to what this says. It says, He, that's God the Father, made Him, that's God the Son, that's Jesus, who knew no sin. In other words, Jesus was innocent of sin. He was, he was positively righteous and innocent of sin. He never sinned in thought or word or deed. Peter tells us, that there was no deceit found in his mouth, absolutely none. He says, God the Father made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. And one of the things that took place at the cross, now now, you're not going to believe what I'm about to tell you. This is right from the scripture. God the Father had to treat God the Son as if he were sin itself. 
That's why it says here, he made him who knew no sin, sin. Literally in the Greek, sin. In other words, God the Father in his righteous anger and his his fury against sin, he treated Jesus with the penalty of our sin on the cross. What is the penalty of our sin? Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. What is death? Death is separation. Separation from God. So there's two aspects to the penalty of sin. There's the wrath of God that we read about in, in John chapter 3. I think it's verse, uh, verse 36, verse 38. But the wrath of God is, is, is the, uh, the, the death penalty that's on us, that, that kind of wrath. And then ultimately, after death, it's, it's the actual wrath. It's the fury of hell itself, okay? So there's hell waiting for every person without Christ, and there's separation from God waiting for every person without Christ. Why on earth, or, or anywhere for that matter, would you want to be separated from everything that is good, which is God? Why would you want to be separated from light and hope and peace and love forever? And then on top of that, being absolutely, and this is the word that God uses in Revelation to describe this place. He says they are in torment day and night forever. It says their torment never ends so what does that mean? It means that God hates sin. That's what it means. Why does God hate sin? Because God is perfect and holy and righteous and above everything that is improper. That's just who he is in his nature. So watch this. So what God is saying is on Jesus on the cross, he not only separated himself from Jesus, that's why Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But he also blasted Jesus with the hot wrath of an eternity's worth of hell on that cross. I don't have any comprehension of what that must have been like. But we know from Scripture, it says right here, he made him, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, who knew no sin to be sin. Why? Tells us, next three words, on our behalf, he did it for you. He died for you in your place. That used to really confuse me. Even as a young Christian, he died in my place. I wasn't going to the cross. He wouldn't die in my place. No, that's not what that means. It means that your place was to be punished by God forever because of your sin, because you are a sinner inherently. You're not okay. And you haven't done things that are okay. So you deserve hell. I deserve hell. I deserve God's wrath. But he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf on our behalf. He, he walked in front of the line in front of us and said, hey, Father, I will take their punishment. Whatever's coming their way, put it on me. That's what he did. And what's the end result of that? It says the end of that verse, it says that, here's the purpose, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So in order to get to heaven, you have to be righteous in order to become righteous, Christ has to gift you with his righteousness. How does that happen? Well, he had to die on the cross and suffer for our sin first. But we get that righteousness through placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And that's why it ends, the verse ends by saying we would become the righteousness of God in him. 
not in our own works, not in our own faith, not in our own um, religiosity, not in our own deeds or not in our own selflessness. No matter what you do in life, you cannot be righteous enough for God because nothing can change your sinful nature. Nothing can take your sin away. Nothing can make the, the satisfactory payment for sin on the cross like Jesus did. Only Jesus did that. So that's why we go back and when we read back in, in, um, in uh, Romans chapter 5, and verse 1, it says we are justified. Guess what, man? That means we've been declared righteous by him. We're holy in his sight. That's why the epistles of Paul begin to the saints at Ephesus, to the saints at Colossae, to the saints at Philip. What saints? I thought saints were something that Catholics worshipped or something. No, no. The word saint in the Bible, it, it, it just means holy one. We are holy ones. Every Christian is a saint according to the word of God. How cool is that? You're a saint. You know, it's not the New Orleans saints. You're the, you're the saint it, you, because you've been sanctified and made holy by Jesus Christ. So you're justified in Christ. And you know what? It gets pretty pretty much, that, that's just the beginning of it. You know, that's just the beginning of our faith experience. Just a couple of chapters later in chapter 8, verse 1, Paul says this. Because he had just talked about how incredibly wretched he was. Even as a Christian, even as a follower of Jesus, even as someone, in Paul's case, who had met Jesus face to face and been taught by him personally, one on one. And yet Paul was still struggling in his life with sin and with guilt and with failure, spiritually speaking. And, you know, he, he had trouble dealing with that. He had trouble just processing all that in his mind. And and he comes to the end of chapter 7, he just says, I'm, I'm just a wretched man. I'm a wretched man. I remember several years ago, I was uh, writing this book, The Christian Zombie Killer's Handbook. It was uh, this incredibly creative work about this thing within us that wants to consume us and control us and lead us into sin. And I, the Bible calls it the sin nature. I just metaphorically called it the zombie within, the living dead within. You know, it's just this undead thing that won't die. And I was meeting with my, uh, my agent uh, up in um, Eugene, Oregon. We were out in the mountains here sitting at this little outdoor restaurant. And, and we were talking about this very concept. I'll never forget what, what Bill said. He said, you know, I, I loathe myself. I loathe my sin nature within me. I just thought, man, that's, that's it. That's exactly what Paul was saying in Romans 7, 25. I, I hate this thing inside me that just won't let me go, won't let me live for God. I hate that. And so even Paul, who had been living for Christ over 20 years, by the way, when he wrote these words of struggle in the Christian life, and just a couple of verses later, he says, well, the very next verse says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then the very next verse, he says this, there is therefore now, now he's making a definitive declarative truth statement here. He says, there's therefore now no condemnation, no wrath, no judgment for who, for those who are in Christ Jesus. You see, the same people that are made righteous in him through the sin payment that Christ made on the cross are the people that now 
will never will never receive any condemnation from God. You see, it's not just that if you just do the right things, he won't change his mind and condemn you. That, that's not what it's saying. It's saying he can't condemn you. Because God cannot punish your sin twice. He can't punish Christ for your sin and then also punish you for your sin in eternity. He can't send Jesus to hell on the cross and then turn around and send you to hell again once you've believed in him. And we'll, we'll talk about in the next episode just why why he do, and how he does that. But it would be totally and completely against God's very nature to now condemn you. So what, is, what does that kind of mean for your life? Well, first of all, it means that you need to change your thinking about the person that Christ has made you to be because what he has done for you, there's nothing inherently about you or I that makes us love worthy in God's sight. Nothing. But because he chose to love us, that gives us value. It gives us a sense of worth that didn't come from ourselves, but it came from him. So when God says he doesn't condemn us, we need to learn to change our minds about that whole thing. Stop condemning yourself if God doesn't condemn you. You know what I'm saying? It's like if, if the bank says the loan's been paid off, man. Someone came in here, wrote a check. Your mortgage has been paid off. Here's, here's the title deed. It says paid in full right here, and you don't owe us a dime. So, I mean, stop sending us checks every month because we don't, there's no mortgage to pay on here. That's what God is saying. Stop trying to, to pay him back somehow because there's, you're not going to get condemnation if somehow you miss a payment. You know what I'm saying? So what God is saying here is that there is no condemnation. In other words, there's zero anger left for you. The dam has been depleted as it relates to you. Now, there's still going to be a hell for unrepentant sinners. There's still going to be a lake of fire at the end when, when, when death and Hades is swallowed up and the lake of fire consumes all those who never came to Christ. But watch this. Not you. Not if you, not if you have come to faith in Jesus Christ. There is not a drop, an ounce, an inkling, nothing in terms of God's anger for you. And you know, if, if you're struggling and living for Jesus Christ, like myself many times, you know, I, I can struggle with that. I can go, man, God's really going to, he's going to blast me, you know. He's going to really come down with some pretty wicked condemnation. For No, wait a minute. Christ already took the condemnation. Jesus was condemned for me in my place. So every time we condemn ourselves, when God doesn't condemn us, you know what we say to God? We say to God, yeah, that, that whole truth about you, you know, taking away my sins, I'm not sure I buy that. You know what we say to Jesus when we do that to ourselves? We tell him that he's not enough. We say to Jesus, you are not enough to take away my sin debt to God the Father. And I cannot look at a cross and I cannot think about what you did there unless it changes my thinking. So that's the main thing is that it has to change our thinking about ourselves. There is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. But hey, what else is going on here? Why else 
should we not condemn ourselves? And, and how can we continue to understand this newfound freedom in Christ? Well, that's exactly what I'm going to talk about on Friday in this little two-part series on no condemnation. Hey, stick around in about 15 seconds. I want to tell you about something free I want to give to you. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Truth Podcast. Please subscribe and share with a friend. For more about Jeff's ministry, go to jeffkinley.com. Hey friends, if you're like me, sometimes you struggle in your faith and because of that, I've written a very special ebook just for you. It's called By Faith, The Rugged Adventure of Following God in Your Life Today. I want to give it to you for free. Just go to jeffkinley.com, click on my little newsletter tab there, sign up for my newsletter, and you will immediately get a link where you can download this free ebook. It takes you through 12 chapters of some of the great men and women of faith, and more importantly, how you can appropriate their type of faith in your life today. It's free. It's called By Faith. Go to jeffkinley.com and pick up your copy today. Thanks and God bless.